Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Dr. Jason Busanich from Portland, Oregon. We've had some amazing connection over email with your incredible story. And I said, we got to get you on the podcast and talk through this thing. I think this can be a really helpful episode to people who are suffering from these common but vague conditions about fatigue, exhaustion. Sometimes we call it adrenal dysfunction. Uh, so I'm teeing you up, man. I want to hear all about this thing. And thank you for coming on. Thanks, Brad. It's really, really great to be here. I mean, any platform where I can help people with, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome and all that stuff would be would be awesome. Uh, so, tell me about your practice. And uh, now you're on your uh, your Jason weekend here in the middle of the week, but you, you're a busy guy working hard at the um, at the uh, main career there. And I'm glad to catch your breath and and get into it. But tell us tell us about your career. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are serial entrepreneurs. Um, we have a bakery and I used to have my own chiropractic clinic, but, uh, I recently, a couple years ago, as my health improved, I was able to go back to work full time, um, in the physically demanding job of being a chiropractor, uh, for a major healthcare company. So, um, that's what I do now full time and among other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of bakery, man? Does does a bakery line up with some of the stuff we're going to talk about? I don't know. I don't want to be too, too self promoting, but I'm very proud of my wife. Um, my wife is uh, Kira Busanich. She was on Food Network's Cupcake Wars six times, four time winner of Food Network Cupcake Wars, and so we had a very good PR push for our bakery in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Okay, so we're going to try to. Uh, uh, they, they probably have some gluten free offerings so that you can. Uh, uh, line up with with some of our discoveries in ancestral health, right? Yeah, no, we definitely, uh, you know, I, I think my influence on the business has been that we've tried to do more um, paleo items, more keto items, um, definitely 100% gluten free. Um, we definitely don't use bean flours and you know other excessive lectins and things like that that you find in grains and legumes. So we definitely have that kind of going for us with that, and people have really appreciated it not having to think about it, you know? So the thing that pops out on your story uh, was I, I went from being a CrossFitter and paleo eater to disabled in about six months. And this was eight years ago. So take us yeah. back to that time where you're a healthy guy doing your thing and then things started to fall apart. Well, yeah. So this is back when I, um, I think I had some mild fatigue and like I had some weight gain that didn't have an explanation. And, um, you know, I've been busy growing businesses, so I wasn't taking care of myself. And, you know, I had some things around the edges, but nothing like anyone would say was serious. And so this was around 2011. I'm about 32 at the time. Um, I'm 40 now. And yeah, I just, I, I started going primal. Um, and that helped a great deal for, um, like a whole summer. Uh, I lost about 25 pounds, like without trying, and that was really strange because you can't lose fat in six weeks, 25 pounds. Like that's something else, like maybe water weight or inflammation. And that seemed a little crazy to me, but I got into CrossFit. I started feeling better. I had the best energy of my life. I weighed less than, than I did my senior year of high school. Like the typical story, I was actually a, a Mark's Daily Apple Friday uh, success story uh, back then. And then, um, I hit a wall. It just, it just came out of nowhere. Um, whatever was going on, uh, progressed regardless of the, the lifestyle choices I was making. Um, and within, I think maybe from like August to October, um, even, even that short period of time, I had severe migraines every day, brain fog. Um, I became so debilitated. I had to put, uh, another doctor in charge of my practice cause I couldn't physically work. I couldn't even, you know, CrossFit was out of the question. I, I couldn't even go to a full-time job. It was, it was pretty wild. Whew. So then you start to, uh, plunge into, I suppose the, the mainstream medical system as well as looking at some, some functional elements or seeing some practitioners. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Um, I saw multiple naturopaths. Um, my 
my uh, primary care was at Kaiser at the time, and they did all the usual stuff to screen for things that they have protocols for, you know, cholesterol panels, blood work. The only thing they could find that I was pre-diabetic, which is interesting because I had just entered the Kaiser network that summer, and they had done all my preliminary panels, and I was nothing near diabetic six months before that. But now, all of a sudden, they were giving me advice on how to avoid diabetes, and I thought that was really weird considering I was paleo low-carb. <laughs> like nothing had changed in my diet and somehow my, I had like severe metabolic disorder and they didn't think that was a big deal. They had nothing to say about it. They did send me to an endocrinologist who weirdly at that time, this was still really back in the day before, you know, primal was really kind of out there in the mainstream. And this endocrinologist suggested, uh, the primal blueprint to me. And I said, well, you know, I know that book and I am religious to it. And I'm still falling behind. Do I have testosterone issues? Like, what's going on? Like, I I literally can't function. And they just didn't have any answers. You know, they didn't really process because I had so many symptoms on so many different levels. And I think that's why even the specialists were really confused. I saw an infectious disease specialist as well. He did a brain MRI because I had such severe memory problems already by then. Even just a few months in, I was starting to have difficulty remembering like a phone number, trying to transfer it or write an email. Um, but it would get worse and worse after that because I was not getting any kind of, you know, assistance. Um, and who would, and I don't really blame the doctors. How do you, how do you work with something like this? That seems like it's affecting all your systems at once. And, uh, yeah, it's, it was, it was just really scary. Yeah. So I guess you're identified as uh, chronic fatigue, basically. Nothing, nothing beyond that at first. Well, another name for chronic fatigue is myelagic encephalomyelitis. It's a lot of words to say there is a allergic immune reaction happening inside the central nervous system. That's actually evidence based. That's what they're finding in the research. So you're you're not autoimmune. I think that's a really big distinction. I, I didn't have any signs of my, my immune system attacking my own cells. What, what CFS seems to be in the literature is like a, an overreaction of your immune system, kind of like you have the chronic flu, right? And that is definitely what I experienced. You know, I had um, crazy amounts of histamine problems and stuff and asthma and all these things starting to creep up that I'd never had before in my entire life. It was like whatever could put the brakes on my immune reaction just stopped working. So Jason, that's different than autoimmunity, which we hear so much about and understand it to be the, yeah. the immune system attacking itself. How is it, how is it different? Yeah. So, um, not to get too technical, but you know, in an autoimmune disease, your immune system, your T cells and, and other cells, they basically get confused. You know, it's like in multiple sclerosis, they think that your nerve tissue is an enemy bacteria and it goes after that nerve tissue and it causes, you know, damage and then it backs off and then it causes damage and then it backs off in Crohn's disease and other autoimmune disease. Instead of attacking your nerve tissue, it attacks your gut tissue. So then you have the, you know, the really bad IBS and all the things associated with that. But in chronic fatigue syndrome, so far, there have been no signs that those cells are attacking yourself it looks like they're just overactive, like like as if they're um, reacting to a virus chronically over and over again, which is why I think a lot of people um, for a long time have believed that maybe there's some kind of chronic viral problem with CFS. And um, it hasn't been my experience so far, um, but who knows? Is, is CFS something that's a precursor or similar or leads to autoimmune disease eventually? Maybe. I don't think there's any uh, signs of that, thankfully. Honestly, what it meant to me was, oh, my God, thank God I'm not autoimmune disease, probably. Maybe there's a way that if I can figure out what broke, I can fix it and my immune system will go back to normal instead of being permanently activated towards my own tissue, which is much, much more difficult, you know? So just curious, uh, your your story's pretty extreme and dramatic. You had to f have a stand-in to, to, to run your business for you. You were, you were so weak. But can this happen on uh, 
various levels of severity whereby someone, uh, particularly someone who might be listening that has some minor complaints to minor to significant complaints where this stuff is going on at a, uh, you know, a less than extreme level. But, you know, just the other day, I was talking to an athletic friend of mine who's complaining of, you know, not feeling great for months on end. Now, they're not they're not a uh, in disease state because they just did uh, a, a 10k, but their time was much slower than normal, and this kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Um, I think so, and I'll tell you why. Because you know, we discussed this on email. I think fundamentally, what I what led to my recovery and had a dramatic effect on how I was able to improve myself was, um, since it's not an autoimmune disease, what controls the immune system, like what dampens the immune system and keeps it in check. The immune system wants to just go crazy, right? And the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, the the nervous system that is unconscious, it keeps things in check. The brain kind of keeps track of things and then sends signals down to the gut and says, hey, immune system, we're cool right now. We're eating. Why don't you calm down? And when we're done eating, you can kind of, you know, kick back up again. This is a natural process. And it does that down this really important nerve called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve, um, I felt like was not working properly. And we can get into the details of that. But in, to answer your question, if you overtrain, if you overstress in any capacity, I think it's potentially possible to irritate or damage your, your vagus nerve and your autonomic system. And that could lead to depleted signals dysfunction over the immune system, you know, potentially worsening of asthma, worsening of stomach and digestion. I mean, this nerve basically controls and regulates all of the the organ functions. So um, it's, it's really critical and it's pretty exposed to stress from what you see in the literature. Um, Even if you don't have full blown chronic fatigue syndrome, it's indicated in a lot of other conditions. It's really kind of cutting edge research now. Um, yeah, it's it's something we can expand on if you'd like to. Well, you hear the term all the time, and I know my, my chiropractic care is, is centered on that, uh, but I didn't really understand the full significance of, uh, you know, h- how much of a control tower that vagus nerve is all about. So, yeah. um, you know, we can get into it a little more, and then uh, you can... Uh, transitioned over to this this uh, diagnosis where you had the brain inflammation, yeah. I, I guess as a related matter with uh, this vagus being uh, going haywire. Yeah, I mean, I think my recovery was a two-step process. In the beginning, you just have to get control of your symptoms. And so I took a lot of antibiotics, um, and they're a very, very, very potent anti-inflammatory as well. And so... Um, you know, just taking a bunch of antibiotics, it, it taps down your gut. It, it, that, that can help calm down the immune system, you know, in a more short-term way. It gets your inflammatory chemicals lower. It just kind of sets, sets you down to a lower baseline. You know, you go off of them and you would slowly come back to irritation. Like that's what would happen to me. I'd take antibiotics for a month and then I'd feel like calmed down. I'd be able to kind of like take a moment. I wouldn't feel better. I wouldn't have better energy necessarily it was okay. But if I stopped them and I just continued to do whatever, I would kind of slowly go back into the hole. Um, so I had to use those as a way to, um, get control of my inflammation, but it wasn't until like I really involved the vagus nerve and understanding how to repair it and understanding how to give it a break, truly give it a break. And, you know, using like things like the carnivore diet, um, and other, um, other, you know, drugs and chemicals uh, of a specific nature to, to help heal that nerve or replace some of its functions temporarily until it kind of did it, its work on its own. And, and it sounds like a lot, but when you know what the vagus nerve does and you go, okay, I just need to replace these specific things and I need to be, be aware of that. It starts to become pretty straightforward actually. <laughs> pretty straightforward, including the use of nicotine as part of your story. So I definitely want to get into that. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned yeah. um, you mentioned carnivore, which has become kind of a hot topic. Uh, we just had a wonderful show with uh, Mark Sisson and Dr. Paul Saladino, who's emerging yeah. as one of the leading experts in carnivore, and they were getting into the the nitty gritty and the idea that uh, these these plants that we've long considered to be healthy, nutritious, colorful plants as the centerpiece of the diet 
could uh, cause some problems, especially in someone in in this condition that you describe, where things aren't working right. So maybe you can talk about how you uh, introduced carnivore uh, to success, and then also yeah. the introduction of nicotine into the into the story. Yeah, and and I really would like to emphasize that even though I'm just a study of one, you know, n equals one here. Um, I did use each of these tools independently and kind of verify that they had a performance, you know, a certain action in my body. I didn't just kind of do them all at once. And I'm not sure you know, what happened with each one. Um, the vagus nerve suppresses the immune system and they actually have vagus nerve stimulation studies um, on autoimmune diseases as well. Actually, those are the only studies that exist and they could put MS and rheumatoid arthritis, all these crazy, like these are people in their 60s who have failed treatment for years. They, they stimulate that vagus nerve artificially with like a pacemaker-like thing with a wire in their neck. And these people go into full remission like a huge portion of the time. I think that it was like over 90% of them. So this nerve, if you can m- mimic the signal of it, has a really profound effect on systemic inflammation. I mean, it's really a, a known thing. But it hasn't really been transferable out to everyone else because, like, no one wants to put a wire in their neck, right? And there's no studies on chronic fatigue syndrome. And so, but if you believe that that nerve being damaged is a huge reason why the immune system is off the rails in chronic fatigue, like I did, that's why I started doing carnivore and that's why I started doing nicotine because I was like a test bed for why plants are bad in some ways, you know, like my immune system was so overreactive to everything. I could eat lettuce and a few things that were pretty inert, but if I ate nuts, uh, you know, almonds, peanuts, anything, like I would have a reaction. If I had spice, just cayenne or anything like that, I would have a huge reaction of dilation and headache and, you know, my immune system bucket would just – my histamine bucket would just immediately spill over within about an hour after the meal. My ears would turn bright red. I would have a really obvious migraine and, you know, dilatory response and it just seemed like no matter what I did, uh, I'd hurt. And the most interesting thing was is if I ate a lot of carbohydrate like starch – it would also trigger a huge migraine. Some of the worst headaches I had during the, the peak of the illness was if I just ate like um, even just like a potato. And so um, it was really obvious. If I removed those things, I would feel better but not great. And it wasn't really until I um, went full carnivore and just gave my gut a rest that I really started to see huge progress. First, there was a huge amount of gut die-off, um, which – most people don't really have when they go carnivore, but I had probably just a lot of dysregulation down there. And once I gave my gut a break, it just like flushed out. And then I reached this whole new level of stability just using carnivore for um, about six months. Uh, the first month was a lot harder for a lot of just die off reasons. And, you know, that created its own immune reaction. But under the surface, my energy was improving dramatically because the stressors were off of it. Yeah. And so just the, the level of immune system underreactivity, the relaxation of that system just from switching to carnivore was pretty profound. You know, it, it was uh, integral to me getting control of my immune system. Yeah. Uh, and you speculate that as far as your gut was concerned, uh, you, you might as well have been fasting. Uh, that was your your yeah. comment. So. It, it yeah. calls to mind the, you know, we, we're we going to have a lot of controversy with this carnivore thing emerging and people are going to be putting up boxing gloves and second guessing everything. But if we can start with some common ground, we know yeah. when the body's in a fasted state that immune function is optimized, inflammation is reduced. So especially for someone suffering, yes. uh, the fasting can be a wonderful tool. And then you can fast for however long, a day or two, and then you got to go eat. So if you kind of do this... Uh, fasting proxy of carnivore or even keto in many ways this is where we get a lot of these benefits of these restrictive diets yeah i totally agree i think um not feeding my microbiome so like you know (laughs) my my attitude on probiotics has changed a great deal we do not have any evidence that taking more is better we just always assumed that it was and um you know you've got some epidemiology studies that say oh the more yogurt people eat the the healthier they are but it's just very very vague you know And we just don't know the data. And for me, with an overactive, unregulated immune system, cutting off all fiber, cutting off all 
chemistry, you know, plant toxins, anything that could potentially grow, just even normal bacteria, dramatically calmed down my gut. I mean, I would lose like 10, 12 pounds in five days just going carnivore, just from losing in inflammation. You know, you're not losing fat that that fast. Um, I wouldn't be lowering my calories. I would just be eating only you know, ribeyes and Yorks and stuff like that. And, uh, so in me, I, you know, I can't say how carnivore works for others, but in me, I had a very specific mechanism I was going for, which was like you said, starving the gut, giving it a chance to heal, calming it down. And then, uh, taking supplements like L-glutamate and, um, you know, stuff that was inert, that's known a known mechanism for helping heal the gut lining. So I was basically, like you said, fasting the gut, uh, even though I was still giving myself nutrition. And then, the other part of that was um, the vagus nerve stuff, right? Like, why am I not suppressing my immune system? Um, and I and I'd love to go into the the things like the nicotine that I did because nicotine literally stimulates the same receptors in the gut lining that the vagus nerve does. So, it, nicotine has some you know controversy around it to some degree, but like it really suppresses the immune system. There has always been a connection between people having autoimmune diseases, these, you know, inflammatory conditions. And if they smoke and they don't die of cancer, they actually live a lot of their life in remission of their symptoms. And when they stop smoking, they come out of remission. It's like a very known mechanism. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, geez, my vagus nerve doesn't work. My gut doesn't move. It has no peristalsis because that's the vagus nerve. It doesn't produce acid in my stomach because that's the vagus nerve. Um, I'm just stagnant and slow and full of bacteria. What do I do to kill that down and get it under control and stimulate suppression of my immune system? Nicotine was an inexpensive, super effective, low side effect drug. And I, I'm really thankful that I took the risk because uh, a naturopath had suggested it. Um, years ago, and I had not been ready to hear it. And when I started using it, my health, again, took a huge leap forward because I was able to actually go to work and feel energized. And, you know, the dopamine hit in your brain doesn't hurt either, you know. Uh, but with chronic inflammation, I probably had really screwed up dopamine, and it really just helped um, allow me to, like, function, you know. Like, we're talking about either I couldn't work and I was completely disabled or I did these things and I could actually work a full-time job and my inflammation within a few weeks was ma massively under control. It was a huge and obvious effect. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you also make the distinction of consuming nicotine uh, without the uh, t tobacco and the other chemicals that are found in uh, nasty products like chewing tobacco or smoking a cigarette. And yeah. I remember uh, doing yeah. the uh, Kyle Kingsbury podcast down in Austin. He's a prominent health leader, former MMA fighter, and he's got, uh, used to be called the On It podcast. Now it's called Kyle's podcast. And uh, he offered me some nicotine at the start of the show, and I'm like, no, I never, never tried that stuff. And then, you know, he made a few uh, opening comments that, hey, this stuff's legit, and a lot of people are trying it out for this or that reason. So um, some of these ideas that are trickling in, like, like I, I, I say in general about carnivore, it's like an exercise in critical thinking and open-mindedness. And you're sitting here telling us that you healed through the use of nicotine. So now we have to kind of recalibrate some of these, uh, these throwaway beliefs where, you know, we just put things in a corner and, and, uh, and don't look further. So yeah, you, you took a chance, I, I suppose, when you're suffering and you're willing to try anything, but, how about today as you're feeling better and healing, is there still a place for something like that in your, in your health routine? Yeah, absolutely. For nicotine specifically. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the, I think the two things that people are going to look up and be the most concerned about is, um, nicotine is addictive, right? We all hear that. Well, I would argue that coffee is equally, if not more addictive. And when you consume nicotine in gum or in the patch, it's a dramatically lower and different psychological effect. Um, and there is, you know, some work out there saying that the way you consume uh, a chemical, whether it goes through your liver circulation, like when you eat it versus when you smoke it, I think marijuana is probably a great example. Um, there's a very different effect. Um, and I have not noticed any addictive quality at all. I mean, I've been taking, uh, seven milligrams up to 15 milligrams some days. Um, some days I just throw a seven milligram patch on my arm and I don't want to chew gum cause I never liked gum to begin with. 
And, uh, but you know, I would chew two milligram pieces of gum three or four times a day. So I'm getting up to about eight milligrams a day during the peak of my issues. But as my nervous system healed, because my inflammation was down. Now, see, that's the thing, like with chronic fatigue, okay, is it an infection that's chronic? Well, if it was, lowering my immune system would make me much, much worse because I would be removing the thing that's fighting the illness, right? But that's not what my experience was. My experience definitely came with a lot of antibiotics, but I didn't get better after that. I continued to suffer. And then when I started to get my gut inflammation under control, because of the side effects of having poor vagus nerve function and you know autonomic dysfunction, as they say, um, as that got better, and I completely didn't expect it to. I expected to just maintain with these with these routines. One day, my stuff started coming back online, and it was very very obvious because one of the um, consequence of having a damaged vagus nerve is that your heart can beat by itself. But um, it doesn't beat well or respond to exercise if you lose the connection. And so like chronic fatigue, like I could try to go for a minute walk and I would not have a heart reaction that would increase. So I would just crash. I mean, I spent three, four years of my life on my back. I mean, just trying to get oxygen to my brain. It was really debilitating. And one day I woke up and my heart just like spiked on like super hard throbbing heartbeat. And from that day forward, instead of trying to climb a hill and feeling like I was going to die literally on my hands and knees, I had, I had such low oxygen. I was turning blue. I would like, I went for a hike this one time and I literally turned blue. Like I was having a heart attack. I wasn't, I was just really depleted and my heart. My body did not respond to exercise. So part of chronic fatigue is this known orthostatic intolerance. It's called POTS. I don't know if you've ever heard of POTS, positional orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's very common. It's um, something that all providers know how to test for. And yet none of the providers I work with ever tested me for any kind of autonomic dysfunction, despite all of the systemic issues and despite having some uh, tachycardia. I, you know, I had a very fast, light heart rate and I used to have a resting heartbeat of 55 beats a minute. It didn't get below 100 beats a minute um, most of the time, even at rest. I mean, it was like a huge difference right away. So when that came back online, um, I knew the nicotine and the carnivore and this protocol I was following uh, was doing something. And it took a few months, you know. Uh, and then you had this sudden uh, shocking switch back on to life. And then yes. from there, um, has it been smooth sailing? Have you had some... Uh, false starts and recalibrations or how, how's life gone since you, since you did this intervention, this crazy intervention? Yeah. Uh, it was about four months of pure carnivore. Um, I mean, I'll be admit, you know, every once in a while I have a little bit of gummy bears or something that, you know, gummy bears kind of get absorbed right away. They don't really feed your gut like, uh, some other carbs would. So I, I tried to pick cheats that wouldn't feed my gut. I didn't really care about my blood sugar at that time, but most of the time, let's say 98% of the time I was carnivore took about, I don't want to say only a couple months to see the heart function come back. I don't know if that's going to be the case for everyone. It depends on how long you've had the damage, but I had the damage for, you know, eight years. I mean, I couldn't exercise for eight years. Um, and now I don't feel really any limitations at all. I I'm even considering going back to CrossFit, which I mean, for anyone with chronic fatigue syndrome, I mean, they probably don't even believe that I had it, me saying that right now, because it's just like, you were a moron, you didn't have it, you don't really know what I'm going through. Um, I mean, I spent the better part of this eight years on my back. Even when I went to full-time work, I was so nauseous and had such bad headaches. I mean, I can't tell you how many how many Advil doses I've taken in the last many years um, and how bad that you know was not helping my gut situation, but it was the only thing that helped. And how many small doses of doxycycline at 50 milligrams I took to suppress my inflammation just as a normal anti-inflammatory, not as an antibiotic. I used all these tools chronically, intermittently, maybe almost every week just to manage my symptoms to function. A lot of um, what's the <laughs> the drug that's anti-nausea, Zofran or is that right? Yeah, Ondosterone or whatever. Like I, that stuff was like candy to me. I mean, I just – you can't function if you're nauseous, but guess what? The vagus nerve is why you feel nauseous. That's literally the part of your nervous system that, so if you're broken there, 
you're just constantly getting false signals and it's just impossible to survive. You know, I would feel like I want to vomit half the time. Sometimes I would, sometimes I'd be driving the car and all of a sudden I would just fall apart and have to pull over to a Taco Bell and puke for no reason. Uh, it was just really autonomic dysfunction. And, um, now I have no setbacks. Um, the most critical thing was restful sleep. Once my restful sleep came back, um, a couple months into carnivore and nicotine, um, everything else started to make sense. Like things started to really regenerate. I really think a lot of the damage, the neurological damage probably was because the inflammation so upsets your brain and it cycles that, you know, that's, that's a classic thing. Like they're not sure in the research, like do people become more diabetic because of lack of sleep or is the diabetes causing a poor sleep cycle? But they know there's a, a lot of association with that. And I'm guessing that's why my metabolism and everything just started to fail. Why I didn't dream for about seven years. Um, now I dream all the time and it's a trip and I'm healing and I don't really have to answer, go back to your question. I don't really have, um, bad days anymore. I, I, I used to, you know, in the early days, I still had some flare ups. I still had occasional die offs or I'd cheat and be an idiot and, you know, um, decide that it was okay to eat, you know, something totally like paleo, but still not what I was ready for, you know? Um, and now, I mean, listen to my energy. I mean, you would not have recognized me even six months ago. I mean, not at all. I mean, I was just a mopey little, I was an old man. I was 80 years old, you know, grumpy is crazy. Yeah. It's hard to, um, it's almost hard to relate unless you've had a, uh, a personal experience at, at, at some level. And, um, yeah. I don't think many people have, but I can remember when I was, um, a, a triathlete and in, in, in chronic overtrained state, um, I, I would tell people that I felt like I was 80 when I was 30. And that, that was when I retired because I was so worn out at 30. I raced from age 20 to 30 and yeah. who know all, all sort of things were, were going wrong and I just didn't have my energy, but, um, boy, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, um, you know, we use literally all the time in the wrong manner. So it's yeah. figuratively true that you, you are 80 because you feel 80 and, um, boy, to, to spin out of that, it's pretty awesome. And I think one of the great sound bites of, of the show is your, your gummy bears quip, but I want to focus in on that for a moment because, uh, yeah. on, on many levels, um, you know, you're, you're cheating with gummy bears instead of, let's say, the recommended cheat or the recommended departure from carnivore might be a sweet potato, but that in many ways could be, uh, more adverse than just pounding a little sugar, uh, on yep. the occasion that you're compelled to do that. It'd be better not to have any gummy bears, but, um, let me also quote uh, your, your message here so we can set the context and you can elaborate a little bit when you said that carnivore helped starve the SIBO, the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that you suffered from and, and a lot of people probably unknowingly suffer from. Uh, so yeah. it, it gave yeah. my gut a rest to heal. When meat leaves the stomach, it's just brown water. So there's nothing left to overfeed even regular gut flora, not to mention uh, bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth of the adverse nature. So I think that's a, a cool thing to focus in on and help people realize what what exactly the intervention was doing when you're doing this crazy thing and eating just animal products. Yeah, I mean, with autonomic dysfunction, you were talking about like who else might be affected by autonomic dysfunction? Well, does everyone who have SIBO have autonomic dysfunction or is it just overfed gut from too many fibers? Well, I, you know, I would argue that, gosh, it might be that people have partial autonomic dysfunction because – if you're not producing enough acid um, because your system's a little feeling a little fragile and you're not producing peristalsis, gut movement, well, now your upper GI tract isn't not designed to ferment. You know, only like a very small portion, our colon at the end of our gut is designed to ferment. Its walls are different. Its shape is different. I mean, this is across the whole animal kingdom. The colon is the fermentation place and the small intestine just outside the stomach is designed to absorb highly dense nutrition, fats, sugars, vitamins, minerals. It's not designed to have a large amount of bacteria up there as my, my training and understanding as a physician. And, you know, um, going carnivore just starved that out. I mean, within 12 hours, um, I had huge die off diarrhea when I would start carnivore. And then, you know, maybe for a week I would, 
I would screw up and I'd eat a few things or some chips or something just because I just needed something salty and I did something dumb. And then uh, I wouldn't get worse. I would just get, you know, more bloated and feeling full up in top. And then I'd go back to carnivore and I'd have another die off for a few days to a week. And cause I had overgrown it again and then it would die off again. And then I would normalize and my immune system would calm down again. So I did this like, I don't know, like eight times over a year testing it before I really committed to the full six months. I mean, it was not something I came to like overnight and I just flipped the switch because, you know, it just seems and sounds extreme, but when you start to realize what you got to do to be, to save your life, like, you just got to be willing to dig in and, and, and give up, give in and let go of your conceptions about what food is. And, um, yeah, autonomic dysfunction just creates this perfect storm of no, no low pH, no movement. And then you feed it. And of course, there's just to be a big sack of bacteria in your upper GI tract called SIBO. And, um, the other big thing I did to replace autonomic function is to take a lot of acids with every meal and even after being carnivore for many months, when I started that regimen, huge die off again. And um, after being on them a while, just a few days, um, no die off at all. No upset stomach. Um, I would even take a little bit of acid. You know, some people take like apple cider vinegar in the morning on an empty stomach and they consider it a health regimen. Well, I take uh, about 600 milligrams of betaine HCL, stomach acid, uh, sometimes some bile salts and I just let them sit in there and drink my coffee. And I let that pH cycle through my system without food. Um, and that also started to create a little, a die off, but it didn't last. It's not like it continues to irritate me. Um, it just continued to improve my baseline. And now, um, I, I imagine I have, I hope I have my own stomach acids working, but I, I have tried going off of uh, carnivore a little bit and I can get away with it as long as I'm using the acids and as long as I'm using nicotine occasionally because it's churning things, it's pushing them down and it's creating the optimal environment for the very few acid loving bacteria that should be there. It's not letting anything else that ferments hang out up there and wreck you, you know? I mean, your immune system is just going to go crazy after a while. If you have SIBO forever, it's just going to be a systemic histamine problem. It's going to worsen asthma. It's going to worsen skin conditions. Just it's overflow. You know, um, I never had asthma my whole life during this escapade. I had horrible asthma all the time, just wheezing. Um, that's gone completely. Uh, itchy scalp, you know, like autoimmune people, a lot of get when they have over inflammation, they got that itchy scalp flaky, like down to almost bleeding level. Um, that hasn't happened since I did this. Um, all those symptoms have completely recovered, literally don't ever have, uh, setbacks at all. It's kind of shocking. Honestly, I did not expect all of that to like, I just thought that would be permanent, you know, like, isn't your immune system a permanent thing, but it, it's all gotten better. Yeah. And again, for sufferers at a minor level, uh, many many listeners potentially included in that, we have these um, notions. You're talking about uh, re recalibrating our notions. One of them is this uh, constantly bantered around term of adrenal exhaustion, where um, yeah. probably 90% of us show some symptoms at some point during our busy year or, or however long month where um, things aren't working right. And yeah. the medical establishment tries to... Um, uh, you know, socialize us into thinking that there is something wrong with that organ sitting there on top of your kidneys. Uh, but you write this really nicely. So I want to quote uh, where you say, it's not adrenal exhaustion. Dr. Kate Shanahan told me the same thing years ago, and it was a, an eye opener that there's nothing wrong with your adrenal glands uh, per se, uh, you know, independent from context. And what's going on is uh, they're functioning poorly. You, you uh, state that it's the failure of the vagus nerve to properly trigger the release of the hormones when needed and yes. so and also uh, tell me if this is tell me if this is legit you said if your adrenals will grow back if they're mostly cut out that's hilarious that's a total proof of concept here that uh, there's nothing wrong with the organ per se it's just how it's functioning in the system yeah no adrenal glands are really resilient it's kind of crazy i mean this is like basic anatomy stuff this is not like something i made up i crazy jason's cool. ideas no 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 yeah I mean, I'm really like meticulous. I, I didn't want to try nicotine until I had done a ton of research on it. I didn't want to 
you know, assume I had Addison's disease. Like Addison's disease is like, okay, you actually, this is a thing we know. If your adrenal glands do fail, which is a really rare disease and it's genetic more or less, um, you are in a life or death situation because those hormones, cortisol, DHEA, these drive all things. And like DHEA, I mean, it converts into testosterone, estrogen, and like dozens, if not hundreds of other metabolites that have to do with like just thriving, like your cells growing and moving and hair and nails and just all this stuff. And when I um, started to realize I had adrenal problems, um, I had lab tests show it. I didn't just assume. Like my DHEA levels were that of an 80-year-old man in my 30s. And I was like, what? And my cortisol levels were like flat. And um, so Kaiser, this is in the early days, Kaiser goes, okay, well, if you think you have an adrenal issue because you did this, you know, this blood test at home and sent it in, we'll, we'll test your cortisol release. So they give you an injection and it, or they make you drink something. I can't remember anymore. It was a long time ago, but they give you a chemical that artificially stimulates your adrenals. And guess what? My test was totally great and normal because my adrenals are fine. And if you chemically stimulate them, they will produce cortisol. Great. Yeah. I felt it's called the, uh, it's called the ACTH stimulation test, adrenal corticotrophic hormone. I had that myself when I walked into the hospital complaining that I used to be uh, a champion athlete and now I can't get out of bed for weeks on end. And man, I wow. passed that wow. test with flying colors. I remember feeling uh, incredible for about 24 hours, like just full of energy because yeah, of the, yeah. because of the test protocol. Because of the cortisol has a steroid effect. It's like you feel amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> crazy. So I think the, the point I was trying to, for, for us to get out is like, you know, maybe think differently than the identified disease sort of uh, mindset where they can pinpoint that, oh, your adrenals are messed up. Uh, or it's sort of like, oh, your low testosterone here, take some, uh, uh, you know, exogenously. And yeah. when we, when we kind of uh, back up a little bit, and I guess you're backing up all the way to the vagus nerve being the, uh, the control tower for, for all these downstream health conditions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you don't want to be one size fits all with things, but this is a meshwork nerve. It's not like one little linear line that goes down. It's like a web work that covers everything. It's just, it just happens to be the number one way your brain controls organs and it's very susceptible to high stress for long periods of time. And, you know, you talk to a lot of people who get chronic fatigue and it's so interesting how almost all of them describe prior to getting sick, a very high stress environment. Like I was doing CrossFit, you know, a slow day for me was like a 10 mile bike ride up and down hills around the lake around my house. Um, I had started two businesses directly after doing a four year doctorate in three years it didn't seem like too much at the time, but when I say it out loud, I'm like, what a dumb idiot I was to not pace myself. And even then when I fixed my diet to some degree that should have been good for most people, it's still, once that system was damaged and offline, it just spiraled out of control. And then once the gut gets going, I mean, your systemic symptoms are just so bad and when I took DHEA as a supplement, you know, like people take, take DHEA as just like a kind of a I'm getting older and I want to keep my levels well kind of hormone replacement. It's a cheap, inexpensive supplement. Most people who take like 50 milligrams, five zero, they don't feel anything. Like you might feel a little bit of energy the first time you take it, but we're not talking like really any kind of conscious sensation of it, right? And if I take 25 milligrams now, I feel nothing. But back when I was low, I took five milligrams and I felt high as a kite all day because my receptors were so depleted. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty real. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was pretty confirmatory for me that I definitely, uh, and I tried some oral cortisol too, and that definitely helped. The problem was, you know, it didn't solve the core issues that so really just like you experienced it. Like, it suppresses your symptoms. It lowers your immune system a little bit. But honestly, I had better luck with nicotine, weirdly. I mean, you could do both, right? You could do both, and you'd probably have a great result. But uh, I found the um, the doxycycline, the low dose, and the nicotine to have a lot more control over my, my uh, you know, symptoms, sinus pressure, all that stuff. So it was – yeah, it was – adrenal exhaustion is not a thing. I think it really is um, – 
you know, can you have branches of the vagus nerve that don't work as well? Does it have to be a whole thing? I, I don't know. You know, I don't think anyone can answer that. I don't know. It's kind of like uh, pilot error when the small plane crashes and they say on a snowy, icy day, uh, the, 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 the plane uh, uh, crashed before it made the, the runway and it was due to the bad weather and uh, <laughs> the, the malfunctioning switch on the uh, control board. No, it was due to the idiot that decided to take off in the snow who was an amateur pilot, right? It's going back to <laughs> back it up a little bit, back the story up a little bit. Uh, well, I guess I, I'd like to... Um, to, to leave with some of these great insights that you shared uh, before the before we started recording uh, about how to you know get some healing stimulation of your vagus nerve, especially we're not extreme sufferers here that, you, that your story relates, but um, you're yeah. talking about meditation and doing the ohm sound and having those vibrations actually stimulate the vagus nerve. And then the second thing, I'll just tee you up to to finish up with these great tips: um, the breathing techniques that were familiar with because uh, Wim Hof is popularizing them and how that can stimulate vagal function. Yeah. And I, I will be honest, I don't know if normal meditation techniques, you know, I mean, if you just put like a, a back massager against your back and that vibration kind of hits your vagus nerve through your spine, you know, you'll cough a little bit. That's the vagus nerve being stimulated for a long time. I tried to do that because I had some really high frequency therapeutic tools available to me in my office I would have no cough response at all. Every other patient I work on, I use this thing on their mid-back. They start coughing and it tickles their throat immediately, like everyone. And so I don't know. I don't know if working on that eventually kind of gets that nerve working or if um, the, the damage prevents that effect from being helpful. I think it's worth a shot for everyone. They do have non-invasive vagal nerve stimulators that are like applied like with ultrasound gel and it's like a little electric stim unit that goes up against your vagus nerve. But it's such an early um, research subject. And they're, of course, having to get FDA approval. So the costs of these units is astronomical. And they don't separate it out from the surgical version. So um, we're just in the early days of having some kind of therapeutic modality that can actually guarantee a result. I don't know about the meditation. Um I think I think now I definitely feel a, an improvement using those techniques and vibration and ohm and stimulating that nerve. Um, before I would tell you that I didn't have I didn't feel like it did anything when I was sick. Um, I didn't feel like it made me like any better or worse, you know. Um, but yeah, I think it's worth a shot for sure. Whew. Wild times with Dr. Jason. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your story, and I'm, I'm pulling out some some great insights, uh, even if we're not extreme sufferers. But going back to that that diet thing and how some of this stuff gets started is possibly yeah. attributed to lifelong consumption of standard American diet, uh, prompting maybe some of that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and these things start to add up and accumulate. And then uh, one day you go from, uh, remember listeners, CrossFitter and Paleo Eater, a super fit guy who's all into medicine and natural health and natural living, and all of a sudden he's trash. So um, let this be sort of a cautionary tale, but also taking the steps we need to take uh, to be healthy every day and, and also being open-minded to stuff like nicotine, carnivore. Should I put gummy bears in there? Nicotine, carnivore, <laughs> and gummy bears. It's the show with Dr. Jason. Can I say one more thing? Sure, man. Uh, one of the lines of research that led me to believe how important that vagus nerve is is that they're really connecting Parkinson's disease to starting in the gut, and they've tracked lectins and other components from these bad diets that actually go up the vagus nerve because the vagus nerve goes into the gut lining. So it's like leaky gut, nerve damage, literally a pathway, a highway up this nerve to your brain, and it starts neurodegeneration in the brainstem. I am blown away by that research. It's just – it's mouse studies right now, but man, it looks pretty like that's – like they're onto something with that. So – well, they're on to something. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. you listen to Amber O'Hearn for an hour talk about curing bipolar diagnosis with carnivore. And clearly, if you're a sufferer of some kind of chronic condition, it's worth exploring the uh, extreme dietary intervention that we're now seeing is, is so uh, so successful. But wow, yeah, wild, exciting times in uh, alternative health. And thanks for sharing your story. Where can we find more about 
you? Um, you know, I'm not selling anything. Um, okay, I, bye. Thank you, Jason. And that's the end of our show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am trying to write a book about my experience, not as a like how-to manual, but just as a detective story because it was therapeutic for me to do so. My wife encouraged me to, but it wasn't something I planned to do along the way. I was just trying to survive. And so maybe in the next you know year, I'll have something on Amazon or something. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it, you know, there's just, I don't want to assume that what I did is going to work for everyone. I think that's a real big fallacy in, you know, self-care, but I have to believe that, you know, carnivore, nicotine, all these things could really, really help a lot of people if they're not afraid to just give it a shot for six months and really, and and really commit. I think it could really help them um, at minimum control their symptoms. I don't know if they can all heal, but what a great opportunity to try, you know? Thank you, Dr. Jason Businich. Have a great day. Thanks for listening, everybody. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. A oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> That's my pleasure.